Hey everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today I'm joined by my friend Tim and we're talking about the movie Love Actually. Hello Tim. Hello. Thank you for doing this. No problem. I'm so excited. Me too. We're going to we're going to talk about one of the most classic holiday rom-com movies, but before we do, a few things about this movie. It was released in November of 2003. It's written and directed by Richard Curtis. It stars Hugh Grant, Emma Thompson, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Alan Rickman, and so many more. The imdb.com summary is, follows the lives of eight very different couples in dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in London, England. It has a 7.6 on IMDb, and it made more than $248 million worldwide. It was nominated for two Golden Globe Awards in 2004 for Best Picture, Comedy or Musical, and Best Screenplay for Richard Curtis. All right, Tim, first question. Shoot. What would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? You know, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I don't know that it's necessarily the greatest movie or that I think it was a masterpiece. I think I would give it a solid a solid 7. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I actually am giving it a seven as well. Okay. So no, no fun there in terms of uh, <laughs> discrepancies, but I think if you heard me talking about it randomly, you would guess that I'd give it a higher score because I really enjoyed it. But if I'm just, you know, being critical and I'm thinking about what's the objective score for it, I think it's a seven. I don't think it's too much higher than that, but again, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, same with me. I think this movie has kind of evolved for me since this movie came out 17 years ago, which is wild. And as I've gotten older, I think I've learned a little bit more. Love has taken different forms. So I think I've grown from watching this movie. But do you have any kind of relationship with this? Like, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? To be honest, I don't. But I remember the first time I saw it, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm pretty sure it was around Christmas when I watched it. So I have also grown, but I think I've grown and become more jaded and cynical, to be honest. So I, I think it's actually surprising that rewatching it more recently, I can still find it enjoyable. I can still appreciate all the emotions that it brought, all the, the stories that it tried to tell. Uh, even though I agree with you that I see love differently, it means different things to me now. And even though I am just a grumpy old man, um, who, who isn't always very excited about Christmas and this whole season, to be completely honest. I just think mm. it's very stressful. But all that stuff aside, I, I could still watch this movie, kind of escape a little bit, you know, and, and appreciate it for what it, for what it is. Yeah, I, I think same, same here. So I actually remember exactly the first time I saw this movie. I was in school in Massachusetts. It was my freshman year of college. And I had seen this movie in theaters with my college roommate and some other friends. And I remember we left the parking lot of the movie theater and we were jamming out to the Pointer Sisters, that song that's in this movie where the Prime Minister David, who's played by Hugh Grant, right. is rocking out to. Right. And I remember us just jamming out to that song in the car to the point where the car next to us turned over and looked at us and just kind of like laughed at us. I don't know why, but that's a very <laughs> clear and vivid memory in my mind. So... It sounds like it was a good, you were at a good point in life when you watched the movie. Yeah, I, th I think it brought like a fun, happy side after watching this movie at the time. Sure. 
All right, so this movie I think will be a little logistically difficult to talk about just because there's so many storylines. Yes, there are. But let's start with what are some things you like about this movie? I think it was entertaining largely because, uh, first off, it's I think it's successfully funny. There's a lot of parts that I remember I found genuinely comedic, and and they they definitely did a good job of making me laugh. Uh, of course, it was cheesy. You know, there's a lot of love and it's a lot of cheesiness, but there's a lot of feel good as well. I think there was also a, a decent amount of balance. There's a lot of juxtaposition. I think that's a theme that 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 you know was really carried out in many different ways in the movie. So there's this balance where there's there's also some sadness. I think they tried to make it you know not completely everything's rosy, and so they they really did try to have some balance and show that there are disappointing sides. There is hurt. There is pain. Um, not everything's perfect in these storylines. You could tell it was deliberate, but I think they more or less succeeded in that too mm-hmm. and then the music the music stood out a lot so you just mentioned i didn't know i don't know a lot of the names of the the musical artists who's responsible for the score but they had a couple of songs that they used over and over like so it was, it was kind of thematic they did a good job with it i think where music would make you again a lot of that feel good the triumphant feeling right um they, mm-hmm. they had a lot of that even weaving in billy mack into the whole I mean he's I think the yes. first one of the first characters right that even appears right so he's yeah he kind of sets the tone so music is a big part of it I think they did a good job weaving it in and using it as a tool to to emphasize the emotions that they want you to feel yeah I think I agree with you on all accounts on this it's light it's funny it's entertaining it puts me in the Christmas spirit which I I love Christmas so unlike you I guess I really <laughs> do like this this season Obviously, the ensemble cast is great. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's like 99% British actors uh, in this movie was was really enjoyable. But I mean, yeah, obviously the cast, there's like a number of them have like won Oscars. A number of them have been nominated for Oscars. So there's, you know, credence to that. Music, yes, perfectly poppy and a little bit sappy, but I appreciated it. I mean, it's a Christmas rom-com. So yeah, you know, like yeah. it would be weird if it wasn't sappy, I think. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. All right. Well, it seems like we agree on a lot of the things that we like about this movie, but now I'm interested more about what we don't like about this movie. Sure. Personally speaking, this list has grown a little bit longer for me, the <laughs> older I've gotten and the more times I've seen this movie. But I think some of the magic is a little lost on me now. I guess namely like how quickly everyone falls in love with each other. I mean, this is kind of like overlapping with some WTFs and I realize that, but there's some storylines that I used to love years ago, but that just don't hold up anymore. Do you think that's any different than other movies, though? Like That's been a criticism for me on mm-hmm. all rom-coms and even beyond rom-coms. Yeah, there's always been too much of the guy sees girl and then, quote unquote, falls instantly in love because he saw someone he found attractive. Mm-hmm. That's always been BS to me, but... That's prevalent through not just rom-coms, but even Disney movies. And it's prevalent, especially because these are short, relatively short films, right? 90 minutes to two hours. They can't yeah. really tell this this concrete story. So I think that's something that I don't, like, I'm critical of that all the time. So much yeah. so that when, um, like, <laughs> so even in the movie Frozen, Anna and Hans have this whirlwind romance and fall in love instantly I was actually really impressed that Frozen ended up making the true love about the sisters. I actually really appreciated that because it was so different. 
Mm-hmm. So because I remember having that reaction to that movie, I know that I've just always been critical of every movie that's ever made, you know, this concept of love be so much about attraction or have the two romantic leads just kind of, yeah, fall in love super quickly where it's just so unbelievable. It's, it's never believable. So I, I actually did not mind it too much where it was happening so much in this movie. But yeah, absolutely agree that it was too much of that. But again, that's yeah. par for course. That's going to happen, I think, in any rom-com. Yeah. For sure. I think me being very critical is is mostly just like, it's so unbelievable. There's so many of these storylines are just a little too unbelievable. This movie is really long. It is. It's almost two and a half hours long. If I'm going to reach for like a lighthearted movie, I don't want a two and a half hour long movie anymore. Good point. Kind of intense. So when I rewatched it recently, it was on a plane. So I actually didn't mind or didn't notice how long it mm. was. It wasn't until I finished it and looked at the time and I was like, wow, that was a long one. Yeah. Um, One of my trivia points is actually, so the writer-director, Richard Curtis, I think the original cut of the movie was like three and a half hours long. So he actually ended up cutting a lot of things. A lot of storylines were even more short. And there were certain storylines were just cut out completely. Okay. So I will share that with you later. That's interesting, though, because I... One thing that I was trying to do to organize my thoughts around this movie, because there are, I think, nine or ten different storylines, mm. was I was thinking about, you know, not necessarily what my favorite storylines are or which ones are the best, per se, but if I had to cut some, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about how I would rank them, like an importance, uh, an order of importance, and what I would say is a must-keep, absolutely cannot cut this from the movie, down to what do I think, if I had to pick one to just get rid of, and the movie could still you know, hold its own, uh, which one that would be. And so I have some thoughts on that, but we can talk about that later, of course. Yes, I'm very excited. I have a lot of notes to talk about for that one. Awesome. But a few other things I didn't like. A few things haven't aged well. There's a lot of fat shaming in this movie. Yeah, there is. That bothered me. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. I mean, I didn't think or I didn't notice it at the time, but now being older and just the nature of the world that we live in now, right. there's just so... Things have changed, but there's so many of these love stories or storylines that take place at work, and it's just wildly inappropriate. Oh, it's so inappropriate. (laughs) It's so messed up. So messed up. Alan Rickman, that whole storyline, yeah, he beats all of it was like, oh my goodness. Hard no. That is not acceptable. Inappropriate. Cannot happen anymore. Well, not not just him and the secretary, but like the first time we see him at work, he calls in Laura Linney, right? Sarah, I believe her name is. Yeah. And then he's like encouraging this yes. other office romance. I mean, it's, it's comical because the whole time he's like, yes, obviously we all see it. Just hurry up and do something about it. But it's like, how, how what is happening? Yeah, it's funny now, but also just like, ooh, this is a little uncomfortable to watch. And then also Prime Minister David and Natalie. Natalie yeah. is, you know, someone who works for him. Yes. And then... Jamie and Aurelia. Same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. They're it's all just... workplaces. <laughs> yeah, they're all workplaces. Even romances. John and Judy. Yes. Workplace. Almost all of them are workplace. Maybe the writer just really thinks love happens at work. Well, I don't think that any of that stuff is unrealistic. I just think some of the ways they portrayed it and, and the exact ways they played out just seemed overly, again, mm-hmm. in today's day and age, inappropriate. But, you know, yeah. it's a movie. so Yeah, exactly. One one thing I will say is another angle I, I looked at this movie in was for me personally, when I watch a movie, something that really ruins a movie or just makes like the moment I know that I don't like a movie is when I have this reaction of like, 
okay, seriously, is that like seriously for real? Like, you know, what I'm saying like <laughs> it, it challenges my ability to accept this movie in terms of realism. But the thing is, it's not an absolute scale. I think a movie sets a tone early on, and then at some point, if it sets it in a particular way and it stays consistent with it, and it's ridiculous the whole time, that's completely fine. But if a movie starts off trying to establish this realism, this realisticness of yeah, this could really happen, and then something happens along the way which is ridiculous, then it, it breaks it for me, mm-hmm. um, and that's I'm I'm, I'm just going to become very critical of the movie. Yeah. What was the name? What was that movie on Netflix? The Holiday? Yes. In the first five minutes of that one, I was <laughs> like, okay, seriously? So at the beginning, they established it as pretty unrealistic or pretty comical, like, you know, lighthearted. The, the Australian dude was at, like, his girlfriend's parents' house wearing ugly sweaters. Yes. There's all of that. So they're establishing, okay, this is silly and ridiculous. But then the Emma, what's her name? Emma? Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts is at her parents house i think with family and she's mm-hmm. the one without a boyfriend everyone's giving her a hard time and i think that part is kind of realistic relatable right relatable mm-hmm. and then somehow they end up at a mall and they have this weird encounter and all of a sudden they're kind of just hanging out together side by side <laughs> pouring out pretty you know pretty personal details and basically on a date without even really knowing it that was the mm-hmm. moment for me it was like okay this is it's lost on me now this is not yeah. realistic and i'm, I'm be, out I'm, exactly I'm, i'll watch it but i'm out this is like i'm already critical in this yeah. movie, Love Actually, I think they did a good job of like, obviously, it's all of it is pretty unbelievable. So they, they stayed consistent with it in my mind. Mm-hmm. Parts were realistic, parts were not realistic, but they laced it with enough of this, you know, ridiculousness that there was no part where I paused and said, I no longer am willing to believe that. And mm-hmm. I think that's because, again, they led, they led with Billy Mack, right? <laughs> and he's just ridiculous and, and, and nonsensical and just hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then they have more realistic, more serious parts, like with the prime minister. And when mm-hmm. President Billy Bob Thornton came by, right? There's yeah. these tones, all of a sudden it starts feeling a little more serious and whatnot. So it allowed me to like, it kind of defined that range and I was okay with it throughout. So there's that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that movies that tend to do well are the ones that are consistent in this make-believe world. I'm pretty sure I've, I really love certain movies that, break that mold that just are so unrealistic. But, you know, sometimes you just, nostalgia holds a really weird place in people's hearts and movies that people grow up with mean a lot. But I, I tend to agree with you. Like the, the rom-coms, like the new ones, like Holiday and like the Netflix ones, I do feel like I tend to be a little bit more critical of those just because I think, so not to make this a Holiday uh, podcast, <laughs> but... My qualm with that movie is that they tried a little bit too hard to be cute. Yeah. Like, they were too self-aware that they were making a rom-com. So there's a lot of, like, references to, like, rom-com tropes within the movie, you know? Yeah. It's like... So... Agreed. I don't really love it when movies do that. Just, like, I'm here to escape. Let me escape. You don't need to keep bringing me back. It it, do- it doesn't work for me in right. those moments. So, so bring it back to Love Actually, then... Mm-hmm. You're, you're saying like that that was not the case in this movie there wasn't too yeah, much of that correct okay. yeah yeah I, i'm able to sit with this and just take it for what it is but you know if we're gonna criticize yeah. and really talk about it then yeah there are some things that are just really unbelievable sure which kind of leads me to my next point is that i think one of the problems i have with this movie is that love comes too easily as i mentioned earlier but it's all just physical attraction like, so many of these characters don't actually know the other person that they're into. It's just all based on looks. 
And then obviously there's so many storylines so we don't really get to live with the characters too much. But Sarah and Carl, like, we don't see any conversations. All they do is, like, kind of like each other, hint at, like, they like each other, and then they dance and then make out and almost sleep together, but then they don't, and there's no other conversation after that. It's just all very physical. Fair. No, I mean, so again, in general, I would expect this to be the case, and you're right about it, but I actually would give a little more credit. Mm-hmm. That one certainly is a great example of what you're talking about. Uh, again, She's been in, in love with him for exactly two years, <laughs> X months, you know, Y weeks yeah. and hours. But I actually think Prime Minister David and Natalie, mm-hmm. it was mo- a little bit more than pure physical attraction. I think there was this charisma and this charm that she had that he felt the instant they met, as inappropriate as it was since he is obviously a person of an incredible power, mm-hmm. I think feel like he had this very grade school crush on her that developed. And I, I do think he was trying to be professional and to check himself along mm. the way. In my opinion, I don't think he misused his power. He, he Didn't he try to re, re... What was the term he used? Reposition? Redistribute. Redistribute her. Like he did all those things. And what I actually liked was that in a lot of key moments, she was the one that had this confidence about her. This, mm. this sureness of her place in that relationship. Not like she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm with the prime minister. But she's like, she was confident in herself, right? Like the moment that the curtains open on that play mm-hmm. and a few other moments, I just remember thinking to myself, at least she's confident in who she is in this relationship. So there's that. Yeah, that's a good point. There's also like, there's certainly for the romantic relationships, the romantic love, you're right, for sure. But Billy Mack and his manager, Joe, there was love there. Mm-hmm. That was love and appreciation for the loyalty. Um, Sarah and Carl, sure, there, there was no discussion. Side note, it was really interesting. I remember this. When I found out that Carl was the Xerxes dude in 300, which also yes. came out around the same time. It was like, oh my gosh, that's yes. crazy. Right? Yes. Do you remember that? Because Look at that range he has. Yeah, because Xerxes was like... <laughs> This crazy, I mean, he was the UCG to make him look huge, but the fact that he exactly ranged, he was playing both those roles was, was pretty cool when yeah. I found that out. But um, yeah, that one is certainly just pure sexual attraction, most likely. But then mm-hmm. again, that's going back to the juxtaposition theme, John and Judy, though they're mm-hmm. in this, though, okay, also, I thought they were adult film actors the entire time. Right. And then I did do a little bit of reading. They're, apparently they're stand-ins, so it's a little bit different. And there was a reference that he once stood in for Brad Pitt in a movie, but I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah, my understanding is that they are stand-ins. They're like, they are body doubles for doing right. like the explicit sex right. scenes, and then right. the actors will come in after. But, but that one, I think, again, the juxtaposition was like, you'd imagine there would be an obvious situation. You'd expect any relationship to be largely around sex, lust, all of that. But for them, mm-hmm. it was this also this very cute innocence to to their relationship. And also, I think the way their relationship developed was not straight into like, we know each other, let's go make passionate love immediately. It was kind of like they were getting to know each other and really appreciating how sweet they were to one another. Um, and I, I think that was very intentional to yeah. put the most innocent feeling love in the storyline where it was the most explicitly in terms of you know the, the sexual situation or the lust and all of that so i think that yeah. was so there's that but yeah i mean i still no, agree that's with a you, good point yeah there's just there's some parts here and there is all 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, are there any other things that you didn't like about the movie or did we cover them all? I think we could possibly get to it one if you want to go to the part where we're talking about like least valuable storyline. Okay. I'm ready. So how do you want to do this? Do you want me to just go ahead and name you my least valuable storyline or do you want to name them or like? So I think maybe we should clarify between us, like what is this list that we're going after? Okay. So I have nine from my list. I have nine as well. Okay. So let's just put it out there so that everyone understands where we're coming from. So and this is in no particular order. Go for it. One is Prime Minister David and Natalie. Yep. Two is Billy Mack and Manager Joe. Yep. Three is Daniel and Sam, the stepfather and little boy. Mm-hmm. Four is Karen and Harry, played mm-hmm. by Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman. Five is Juliet and Peter, the Kira Knightley and... Right. I'm going to say his name very wrong. Chiwetel EGO4 mm-hmm. storyline. Was that... What was that? Five? I lost uh, count, but you're doing well. You're doing okay. Six is Jack and Judy. Mm-hmm. John and Judy. John and Judy. Sorry, John and Judy. Mm-hmm. Seven is Jamie and Aurelia. Mm-hmm. Eight is Sarah and Carl. Yep. And, and Colin. Yeah. Are we counting Colin I ca- as one? I count them. Absolutely. Okay. But then what about Juliet and Mark? I have Juliet, Mark, and Peter as kind of one storyline. Okay. So I count them as storylines, not relationships, but storylines. Got it. And I also okay. include like Joanna and Daniel and Sam and even Claudia Schiffer. Carol, Got I think it. her name was. You could include all four of them almost. Okay. I think. All right. I'm down with that of those numbers. Sure. Okay. So in terms of how we want to go through this, maybe we start, we go back and forth. We sure. start with our least, least yeah. valuable see, see where it goes. And, and just for the record, right? Again, the, the frame of mind when I ordered this list was if I'm the director and I'm being forced with a very difficult task of cutting one of these storylines completely. And again, assuming that one storyline could be cut because, you know, obviously there's going to be some continuity errors and some weirdness because they did a pretty good job of weaving everything in. So maybe it would be impossible to take these out and extract them from the rest of the movie. But assuming you could, which one would I say, you know what, if I have to make this tough call, cut this one first and then so on and so forth. I sure hope that we disagree on something here. I, I hope so. I'm looking at my list now and I'm not confident about it. Did you order it already though? Do you have it ordered? I have it ordered from okay. least to best okay, or most valuable. So do you want to start with your least and then I'll sure. follow? Sure. Okay. All right. I'm going to write this down. Do you want me to just name it and then and then react to it first? Or do you want me to just name it and tell you why? Or Why don't you name it and tell me why? Okay. Again, this is not one of my least favorites. Um, I actually like this storyline, but I would cut it. It is the Mark, Julia, and Peter one. Wow. Yeah. I'm down to get rid of it. Now, here's why. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the storyline. The wedding was awesome. It actually was a moment where it brought characters together as well. Mm-hmm. I actually liked the twist. I can't remember if I saw it coming. I think I did, actually. Mm-hmm. But the twist being, you know, Laura Linney's character during the reception mm. basically calls him out and tries to make us believe that he might be gay and have these strong feelings for for peter right Mm -hmm. mark played by andrew lincoln might have these feelings for peter you can buy into that because obviously mark has done all this stuff he he you know did the surprise during the ceremony he clearly loves his his friend peter here Mm -hmm. so they set you up with that and then he's being so cold to kira knightley juliet and all that and so then you find out that oh actually andrew lincoln has been in love with juliet this whole time and how mm-hmm. messed up that is in some way, but at the same time, how loyal he is to Peter for like, just, I think that's that's his defense. He's cold to Juliet 
because he knows it would be completely messed up if he ever made a move or you know just acted on the, those feelings that he has for his best friend's um, now wife. So I, I love all of that. Even the the reveal where he shows the video and you see it, and then like Kieran is like, oh, this is this is some great footage. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, wait a second, you're obsessed with me. Like all of that, the awkwardness of it, and then. I don't know if it's redemption, but like when he comes by with the signs and it's it's so not critical, but it was so iconic. It's iconic, quite iconic. That's the word. It was an iconic part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love all of it. But the reason why I think you can cut it out is because it's it's kind of inconsequential at the end of the day. Mm. You cut it out and I still think you have better arcs out there. I think this one was one that existed for Kira Knightley to be because I think she was she was big time at the time. She, she was just into some movie or something. I think she was just starting like Pirates or something exactly. like that. So I think it was kind of like a way to feature her and she was a big deal. Andrew Lincoln wasn't a big deal yet, but he later would become one for The Walking Dead, of course. Mm-hmm. And which his accent, it's, it was really weird for me to hear it again. <laughs> I just think it was inconsequential. Like if you cut it out, would you lose that much? In my opinion, not really. So. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess here we go. I disagree with you on that. Sure. I think the the cue cards are what make this movie quote unquote iconic because of that one particular scene, even though, yes, it's creepy. It's weird that he confesses his love to his best friend's wife. It's inappropriate in many different levels. However, I make a case for him because I think all he wants is closure. He mentions sure. in that one scene where enough. he says enough at the very end, right? Enough. Yeah. And that, that breaks my heart, you know, because you, you as a viewer know that he's not going to get the girl. Right. Yet it's kind of relatable because how many times have we as people liked somebody else, but we couldn't, you know, that person couldn't be ours. Sure. It's yeah, I agree. Yeah, I admit no, it's a weird story, it, but well, it's not just it's weird. It's it's like you're right. Like I, I mentioned balance before, right? And I think this is mm-hmm. one of the ones that balanced it, where like not every storyline is like, oh my gosh, we found love, we're so happy now. Like, this was a heartbreak mm-hmm. one. This was like uh, almost cruel, yeah, unattainable love situation. And and when you say inappropriate, I'm reminded of when Kira uh, Juliet runs out after him and gives him a kiss. Now I think the first time I saw that movie, I thought that was wildly inappropriate. But mm. now I I think I give her a little more slack where I think she was like not doing it in a way that was meant to be inappropriate or like a secret mm. kiss that her husband wouldn't know about. But more so like almost not out of pity, but kind of like, hey, dude, you deserve you deserve this. Like, you know, it was mm-hmm. Christmas. It was like almost like a Christmas gift of like mm. encouragement, almost something like that. So I'm glad we disagree. I, yeah, I knew this would fair. be I knew this would not be a popular <laughs> opinion because it's such an iconic part of it, but yeah. I, I just thought it wouldn't necessarily it just wasn't the strongest, most interesting arc of them all. I do agree with you that it's not the strongest. So out of nine, this is actually my number my third least likely okay. storyline. Okay. So it's similar to you that I would be willing to cut it out. Mm-hmm. But my top storyline that I'm willing to cut out is Colin. Colin and the American Girls. Nope. nope. Too good. <laughs> it was too good. I have that as my fourth. <laughs> really? Here's why. You're absolutely, if we're talking about inconsequential, obviously this takes the cake. But for me, I don't know. Is it a guy thing? Do you see it differently? I thought it was freaking hilarious. And I just felt like, again, for the balance, where you saw a lot of love happening too easily in an unrealistic way. Mm-hmm. This one was where it was the opposite, where it's leading you to believe that it's super unrealistic, not going to happen, no way, never. 
I mean, he's this, he's a loser who believes he is a sex god, as he calls it, but he's really <laughs> just a sex crazed, you know, British dude. I, what was his, I mean, his job was he kind of worked in catering a little bit. Yeah. It seemed like he tempts like here and yeah, there, worked in catering. Right. Yeah. I love that part where he was like, oh, um, the finger food. He's like, oh, it's, it's disgusting. What do you do? Oh, I, I, I'm a chef for weddings. Like, oh, yeah. Or I, I'm glad they didn't ask you to do this one. They did. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you turned it down. I didn't. <laughs> that was great. Like, he's just such a community. Like, it's not. So this is the thing. They didn't give that much time to, to him either. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I just thought that one was so funny. Instead of being like, oh my gosh, it's so unrealistic. They just tripled down on it. Yeah. I, I just thought it was hilarious because it was unexpected and in a way that was just hilarious to me. So I actually kept that in. I felt there were two other ones that I would cut before I cut Colin. And it's not wow. just because I, I enjoyed seeing, which at the time, these were like very, very, these were like the hottest actresses of the time, I think, right? Yes. Like Alicia Cuthbert for 24. Mm-hmm. January Jones, I actually don't think I knew who she was at the time. I didn't watch Mad Men, but she was from Mad Men, right? She's from Mad Men, but I don't think Mad Men happened until like a few years after this movie. Okay. So she was, I think, a relatively unknown right. at this part. But Shannon Elizabeth, mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost like a cameo. I think American Pie was before this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm impressed by like, they got the heavy hitter. They got a great cast. Yeah. Like, they casted very well for this super ultra ridiculously <laughs> stereotypically um in your imagination kind of american tale um mm-hmm. I, thought it was, I thought it was just great i thought it was hilarious yeah and denise richards closes denise that richards, at the end yep. mm-hmm. i think for me it doesn't really add anything it doesn't move anything forward and i think maybe it is a man woman thing just because i was like oh american women were so easily duped like yes it really does just take a british guy with a british it's accent so for us to be like it's, oh my gosh you're not- so cute but it's not even just for men and women. I mean, it's it's the opposite too. I think sure. to me, a British Australian accent, they are absolutely charming and mm-hmm. interesting and captivating, even though it's it's just the way they talk. But yeah, yeah. so I, I just I thought it was hilarious. So I have it higher. <laughs> Wait, so I'm sorry. This is what scene for you? Th- that one was my number four from the bottom. So four if, from the if, bottom. Yeah. Okay. So if Mark, Juliet, and Peter were my number one. Colin and the girls is number four. Got it. Okay. All right. So what's your next one? So my next one was actually Sarah and Carl. I feel like that one was also kind of inconsequential. And I I guess to be honest, I'm looking at my list. I might want to reorder them because I feel like there was balance in having some of these storylines end up where it's just, it's not a happy ending. So I think I like that aspect of it. But at the end of the day, I also just, it was heartbreaking. I think at the time, the first time I watched it, finding out that the person on the other end of the cell phone being her uh, her brother, who, mm-hmm. who clearly had you know mental health issues and, and obviously was not in a good place. It was just, um, the storyline was one that just kind of fell fl- Okay, so let me back up. So when you find out that that they have a thing, and then when they finally get the chance, I'm happy for them. I'm ecstatic mm-hmm. for them, and you want you want to see them finally be able to have their moment. Even though, like you said, what is the moment really built upon? We don't know anything about Carl except that he's hot. Mm-hmm. Of course, the cell phone rings, and then she's saying these things like, "Oh no, I'm I'm not busy at all." And you can mm-hmm. see it in in um, in Xerxes' eyes, right? And in Carl's <laughs> eyes, he's like, "Wait a second, what? I'm I'm right here. We're we're about to get. I'm down. half naked. Yeah, we're yes. about to like like I'm here too. I'm not just contrary to what you may believe. I'm not just this man meat here. So I I, I guess I kind of wish they did more maybe with it. Mm-hmm. I think it just kind of like they left it there. 
Um, but I think that was the point too, right? Later yeah. on, they said hi. Sometimes that's love. That sometimes like you have it and it just doesn't work out, and and you just live with this heartache. Maybe that's what it was. And I actually like that, but I don't know for whatever reason I still yeah. I still would cut it out compared to the other ones. And yes, I would cut that one over Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> um, so Sarah and Carl for me is the fourth I would cut. Okay. I agree with everything you just said. I think when I first saw this movie, you know, 17 years ago, I was really frustrated by this storyline because I was like, why can't she get her happy ending? I was so focused on her not getting Carl. Yeah. And I was mad at Carl for not stepping up and fighting for Sarah a little bit harder. Mm. I was like, why is he just letting it go so easily? Also, why is Carl so mean? It's not like she's not interested in you, Carl. It's that she has a brother who's mentally ill. But does he even know that? Well, I, she tells him that, you know, she has a brother who's not well. I don't mm. think she's ever very, doesn't share a lot of details, but mm. this is a frustrating storyline for me. And while it's not like my favorite storyline, I think it does show that, you know, like you said, love sometimes doesn't mean you'll end up with the partner that you want or admire from afar. But I wanted Sarah to get the hot guy. And it didn't happen. <laughs> I think she did get him in a way, right? Like their their mutual attraction was affirmed and all of that. Right. I mentioned how one of the things I liked about this movie was that there was a range of emotions that this movie made you feel. Mm. That's why I, I second guess now having it so low, but I think this was a key. Actually, no, I take it back because there are other storylines that made me feel the same way. But this this feeling of like you ache, your heart breaks for this person and mm. it's it's just so sad. Yeah. All right. What's your third story? Third I would cut is is John and Judy. As cute as they were. Wow just kind of inconsequential to the whole it just didn't feel like they were as critical and as core to the movie so they're not too low i mean they're low but <laughs> they're pretty <laughs> they're low. low so assuming i already cut mark julia and peter and sarah and carl john and judy or colin hmm. and the girls sorry john and judy wow gotta go all right. Well, this is a hard disagreement from my end. Okay. They are the second to last, I would Oh, cut. my goodness. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's hear it. I just think they're amazing. I think that they bring so much balance, as yep, you say. Yep, sure. I think they bring so much levity in this. And, you know, we're conditioned to expect people who might be able to be physically explicit with each other should also be maybe emotionally available. But mm -hmm. I think we see these people who are just literally naked. It's weirdly wholesome in yeah. a way because they're just talking about traffic and previous jobs that they've been on and, and they're just... very they're very kind to each other the entire mm -hmm. time they're, they're just kind people despite what their professions are they're, mm -hmm. they're warm kind caring people and that's not by accident of course i think in terms of the writing right. but yeah no for sure very very cute storyline yeah they were just the most one of the most delightful pairings for, for me. sure very delightful still cut them <laughs> keep calling because the humor I, again i think for me the Colin. The Colin one was just too funny. So, I, I yeah, it's hard I mean, to make these cuts. This is almost like if you were doing fantasy football, right? And you kind of have to come up with your order and mm -hmm. your draft order, right? And it's kind of like, yeah, you want a bunch of players, you want to keep all of them. Like, I want to keep all these storylines, but you have to force rank these and really just make these hard decisions. <laughs> and so, I, I can stand by these. I think. Sorry, John and Judy. There, yeah. All right, all right. Well, I do feel like I need to say that Colin does bring the laughs. I guess I just prioritize the other no, storylines sure. a little bit more. For sure. 
Look, Michelle, if we had the same list, that would be, <laughs> first of all, so boring. Yeah. So I'm very glad we don't. But also, it'd also be crazy. Yeah. The the probability of that is extremely low. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad we have a, a very different list at this point now. Okay, so four is Colin. Mm-hmm. So what is five for you? Now, this is getting tough. This is the top five yeah. here, right? So these are the ones that mm-hmm. are really, really important. Um, I actually have Billy Mac and his manager, Joe. Okay. Tell me why. At this point, I really feel that it's simply because the the four above are just more important. But I think this was a good one. Again, I talked about the whole Frozen thing where, where it's like, <laughs> I appreciate that love didn't have to just be romantic at all. And so I mm-hmm. think this was great in that Billy Mac. I mean, so I ta- I've talked about how like I don't like Christmas and I'm jaded and cynical now. I'm Billy Mac. <laughs> I'm not a rock star. I'm not this washed up rock star, but like, you know, he kind of had that same attitude, right? And he was just mm-hmm. so like, whatever about all of it and honest about it on the airwaves, which I thought was just really funny, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was more so for the fact that I really appreciated that there's a love storyline that was about this not necessarily romantic love, not this Eros love, you know, but this friendship love where it was about loyalty and mm-hmm. and he proved it too right like mm-hmm. he had he had this chance or he was at i think elton john's like new year's party yep. or, and yet that was not what he found to be fulfilling he mm-hmm. actually just wanted to be with somebody that really truly loved him that really you know knew him like for me i feel like you know the people we love are the ones that we can just really be ourselves at and sometimes you know we don't want to be at a party where we have to like put up a front or pretend that we want to have a great time if we're not in the mood for it. But the people who you're just completely comfortable around to be exactly who you are at that moment, that's what Billy Mac had in his manager, Joe. Mm-hmm. I just think that was um, important and, and a nice balance like we've talked about. So this is my number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, five is pretty high too. So, yeah, so no, I mean, really, th- th- this is the upper, like, these are the ones that we're now saying, like, we're not dropping these. So, yeah, okay, but one's pretty darn high. Okay. Yeah, I think basically everything you just said. I, so it's interesting, because I think now and where I am in my life and watching this, this list is ranked very differently than how I would have ranked this 10 years ago. Sure. I think this might have been one of the first ones that I would have let go. But I think as I've gotten older, I really appreciate this depiction of this friend love Mm -hmm. and the loyalty and sometimes, you know, as big as a star as Billy Mack is, it's really, he comes to his realization that it's Joe who really is like his rock and his best friend who's always been there. And I feel like, yes, he jokingly treats him like crap publicly, but he has this moment of clarity and he is finally able to be vulnerable with, with Joe and like share how he actually feels. And you know, it's kind of funny because they're mildly uncomfortable in the scene where yep. they hug and like Billy Max says, let's watch porn and let's get drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, side note, when I was younger, I was like, do men watch porn together? That's a weird, <laughs> I, that's a weird thing to yes. ask Well, I, I, I still reacted that way. I okay, still reacted that way, so. Bill and Joe, I just think Bill is also just hilarious. As he he was so funny. Every interview he did, <laughs> was great that was gold comedic gold all right so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here Mm -hmm. all right so what's the fourth scene for you so now i i have up here karen harry and mia Mm. so this when i was talking about how i was willing to let some of the other ones go because even though they brought the heartbreak and and the the sorrow and the the balance in, in that sense this one was 
arguably the most heartbreaking. I think I saw this twist coming as well. Mm-hmm. The moment that Karen found the rectangular box in the coat pocket, I was like, oh, that's that's not what she thinks it is. Mm-hmm. She was too happy. So I think I, I caught it at that point. For all of the workplace inappropriateness that we talked about, that made us react, right? That part was like making us uncomfortable. So there's that. That's a good thing in the sense of this is making me as a viewer react and have emotions and, and, and feel a certain way whether positive or negative. So I had that piece of it. I, I was really saddened by how it didn't seem like Harry was even necessarily really into Mia. He, he clearly had lost some connection with his wife, Karen, but he seemed like he just had his guard down or almost just didn't care. Like he kind of just fell into this thing where Mia was just being ultra aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know if you can call them hints, but just like <laughs> blaringly loud sirens about, uh, you know, that she is, is all game for, for this for complete, an affair. Yeah, for this complete inappropriate affair if he is. Mm-hmm. And then this poor Karen who all she's doing is taking care of her kids, helping out Liam Neeson. All she's doing is is just trying to help people and she's loving and she's just, um, obviously I can't relate, but I'm imagining she was probably one of the more relatable characters for many viewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she sees it coming even, right? She calls him out. During the, yep. during the Christmas pageant. Yeah. And so it's just heartbreaking. It's so sad. And I hated watching that happen. And and for that reason, it was great. Mm-hmm. It made me feel all those feelings of sadness. This is messed up. And the way they told the story, I think, was what I really enjoyed about it. Again, you, you had enough knowledge of Karen to be invested in her as a character, to feel so bad for her, to be mad at Harry, to be disgusted by Mia. Like all these strong reactions are only there because they invested in telling that story. So I felt that the story was well told, great arc. Uh, yeah, across the board, I thought this was a very strong one that I would not want to give up. Yeah, same. I, I This is the same number as you for me. Okay. Agree with you. And I think, again, like as I've gotten older, my relationship with these storylines have changed. And I think, you know, now that I've been married for a few years, the storyline kind of seems realistic. Marriage is hard work, which, you know, is obvious to a lot of people, but it wasn't to me 17 years ago. Absolutely. And I, you know, sometimes there might be instability or moments of insecurity. Karen's character is, yeah, it's devastating. It's heartbreaking. And I'll say it. I hate Mia. She's the worst. Oh, she's the worst. I wrote she's, it. She's, she's, she's the, the literal worst. devil in this movie. She's the literal devil. She's the worst. Yes. But she was so good at it too. It wasn't subtle, but it was still kind of just like, she just laid the traps and she, or she kind of just put it out there and, and yeah. it's, it's still Harry's, it's Harry's fault. I mean, no, I'm sorry. Not to, not to put blame on any, it's both of their fault, but like yeah, she's putting it out there and he's not doing what he should be doing in terms of denying those advances. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm interested to hear, I guess, what your interpretation is of Harry. Like, do you think that Harry and Mia actually have an affair? For me, when I watch this movie, I think it might be left to us to decide what Harry and Mia ended up doing or not doing. Like, were they emotionally? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not emotional. I'm pretty sure they were just only physically uh, involved. Involved, right. Mm-hmm. But cut to the end where we see Harry come through the airport and greets Karen and the kids. I, I was kind of like, wait, where did he come from? Did she kick him out? Did he just go on a holiday and come back? Are they reconciled? Are they actually separated? I just didn't know. My, my interpretation was they were separated. Mm. We didn't see Mia at the airport, did we? No, Mia's okay. not at the airport. So I think that was probably intentional as well. You just don't know. And I think, the, I think the point there, I'm guessing, might be it wasn't about Mia. It was about Harry and Karen. 
um, Mia was a symbol, I think, or like an indication that it just wasn't there for Harry and Karen anymore. Um, my interpretation was at the end they were separated, but it was one of those more redemptive storylines in, in the sense of like they're cordial. She's still loving, right? She's she still can appreciate him. You know, he's still the father of her kids, and they're still family i assume they're co-parenting and this is before like you know this like you said 17 years ago this is before like co-parenting has become such a i think a much more mainstream a much more common thing at least Mm -hmm. and so here they are again my interpretation is that's what they're doing at this point Hmm. yeah i don't know what i feel yeah i still don't know what happened yeah perhaps intentional to like let us wonder yeah all right so here we are with the top three Mm mm-hmm Oh, does this mean I think, oh, no, we don't have the same top three because your top one was Billy Mack. Correct. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm realizing wow. that I might not have shared my other ones. You I didn't, think we, but it's okay. We're going to recap gonna after out. we okay. get through. Yeah. So, okay, this is already great because I can't believe you don't have these as your top three, in my opinion. <laughs> these these are like the obvious ones in my mind, but okay. Yep. Okay. So do you want me to go? Yes, please. Okay. My number three is Jamie and Aurelia. So the way this one started off was a little slower. This one is absolutely guilty of the, okay, so where did this love happen? Because it was clearly just, actually, no, I'll take it back. It wasn't purely physical attraction, but it clearly wasn't emotional or because there's this connection of like, wow, this would, this person would be a great partner for me in life because we have had the time to evaluate what works well between us and what doesn't. And I believe that in a lifelong marriage, you and I will be very compatible partners that will complement each other. <laughs> you know, it wasn't any of that, obviously. There was no yes. evaluation. It was purely like, wow, I have this undeniable feeling when I'm with you. And I'm okay with that. It's a movie. I'm okay with that. So that's the connection they feel. But it's because of, we talk about music too, right? It's because of the music. Mm. It got the score at the end of that triumphant moment where he's marching through the village and there's a lot of good laughs there too. But then he goes into the restaurant and declares his love and all that. And like that was a the pinnacle of cheesiness, almost to the point matching the magnitude of the ridiculousness of Colin going to that Wisconsin bar and and going home with four <laughs> girls. However, it was too good. I mean, this is what you're signed up for when you bought your ticket and walked into this movie theater, and it delivered in spades in my opinion the music the romance the proposal the humor alongside of it with her dad and all the now i look back and the the terrible fat jokes that just made me cringe but (laughs) at the time i guess it wasn't i don't know but yeah i think this this storyline delivered in all of those ways so i yeah i guess three is kind of high but that's where i have it wow okay yeah so again 10 years ago i would have ranked this list very, very differently. So this was actually the second scene I cut. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that though. I mean, you've already mentioned about like the the inappropriateness or like the the you know him being in a position of power and then this housekeeper who can't even speak. But it was mutual. So, but but go on. You're right. Go there on. There was consent. But yeah, I just when I first saw this, this was probably my number one storyline. I was like, this is the most yeah. romantic. They don't even have to speak the same language. They Mm -hmm. just inherently understand each other. Mm -hmm. They have the same thoughts and feelings about everything. But for some reason, it just doesn't sit well with me anymore. I think it's coupled with this is totally impossible. Maybe I just can't put my disbelief aside as much anymore. Sure. I mean, I I can totally understand all of those things. 
I don't think it was a romanticized storyline to the point of like, I never once thought the thought of, oh, I wish I was in that situation. Mm. I don't know that women would be like, oh, I wish I was the housekeeper for a man that who spoke a language I didn't like. So I don't think it was like that, right? Mm-hmm. But the one part I remember was when, did she say it? Like, this is my favorite part of the day? Or did he say mm. it? And so even though it's not relatable or like, I don't wish I was him, I don't think that women would wish they were in her position. That line right there was what I felt was relatable. Like, I forget where I was in my life, actually, 17 years ago, but I felt like Mm -hmm. that moment of describing, like, there's a seemingly mundane thing that I do every day with this person who who doesn't understand me and I don't understand her. But because of just the feeling you feel every day, you know, doing the same thing, just being with this person, it's the best part of your day. I think something about that was relatable and Mm -hmm. feel good. So I think that was a huge part of it. Um, And again, with because of the triumphant finale, it was a finale type of uh, ending. You know, I guess I completely dislike everything about how unrealistic it is. Um, And I'm the kind of person that like I probably during the movie would have been like, this is ridiculous. But again, I thought that they had done a good job throughout the movie establishing that this is the world that this movie takes place in. I mean, Colin just went home with four women. So I'm okay. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, clearly they're willing to stretch things and make them unrealistic. And so I thought that they they did that with the storyline, but it was such a triumphant ending and um, too much feel good. So yeah, number three for me. I see you in terms of the feel good and it's incredibly sweet in those moments where they're like literally saying the same thing, but differently. Right. Yeah. 10 years ago, me would have made this probably top two or three, but man, I don't you, know, man. Maybe, you're the, maybe I've become more you're cynical. You're the cynical jaded one. You're the grumpy old uh, Christmas hater now. Give love a chance, Michelle. I know. What's going on? It is actually kind of funny though, right? Here I've just already confessed that I'm, I hate, not hate, but I feel like Christmas is like just so stressful and I don't love it. And I'm, I'm a grumpy old Grinch now. I'm a Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here I am still loving the storyline. So who knows? Maybe there's still like a heart in this body after all. There you go. Okay, so what's your second favorite? Second most valuable. Second to last one that I would say, no way, I can't let this one go, is uh, David, the prime minister, and Natalie, the household staff. And it's probably for similar reasons where like they really developed the storyline well. I don't know what the ratio of airtime is. I think they gave this one a, a good amount of time, though. You know, yes, David was the prime minister, and Natalie is this, you know, household staff. Like they did a good job of at least making it so he's not completely abusing his power there. But then it's the whole thing. I think it's also the ending. They snuck in this whole thing about, oh, I feel uncomfortable not knowing anything about you. Tell me about yourself. Where do you live? Mm. Oh, on the shady side of this street or whatever. And, and like, it's just kind of small talk. And then it comes back. It has this importance in the end where it's like, oh, I want to find her. How do I find her? I have to go to that street and he's knocking on the doors. And then this becomes a nice cheeky way to interweave all the different storylines. I think Mia, right? Doesn't Mia, mm-hmm. isn't she the next door neighbor or something like that? She's the neighbor. Yeah. Right? So they weave all these storylines in, which is kind of cute, but then they, they finally see her. And again, when he opens the door, this is the freaking prime minister. She's still confident who she is. And, and mm. so I like that about her. And then of course, everything with the play and the curtains and, and all of that, I just thought was um, again, a, a good, well-developed and feel good, positive storyline that I thought was pretty core. And I I just, I don't know. I just wouldn't want to cut this one. Yeah. I think it's very core to this movie. Um, I mean, also it's Hugh Grant, who is like one of the biggest, yeah, you know, headliners of this. He was. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of his movies though. Notting Hill. Notting Hill. What else did he do though? 
There's one with about a, a battle boy or there's one with, about a okay, boy. So I did see that one, I think. But I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I remember thinking at the time he was well casted, I guess, as prime mm-hmm. minister. I mean, he was he was British heartthrob Hugh Grant. Wait, was this before yeah. or after? What, didn't he get into some trouble? He got in some trouble, yes. didn't he? Or is that okay? This is after. I think he got in trouble in the nineties. Okay. <laughs> but he was in Four Weddings and a Funeral, yes, which is like a, a very big rom com. Okay. Didn't see that one either. But side note, not a rom com. He's great in Paddington too. The bear. Yeah. And the hat. Have you and the watched? Coat? No, I haven't. Yes. Okay. Tim, you should watch it with your kids. They're okay. so cute. All right. But he's he's only in Paddington two. Okay, not Paddington one. I didn't know there Correct. was a two, but maybe I'll look it up. <laughs> All right, so this is actually, one, two, three. This is my fifth. Okay. It hit in the middle for me. Sure. Hugh Grant's wildly endearing, but I guess I just had more heart for the other ones. Yeah. So that means your most valuable Mm storyline is Daniel and Sam. Daniel and Sam and Joanna and Claudia Schiffer. Yes, the the all all of them. And this is this is for me an easy pick. Mm. This starts off with this heartbreak for Liam Neeson. I fell for him. I think this is before mm-hmm. Taken, right? I think so. So maybe it's because I rewatched it. After Taken, Liam Neeson is a legend. <laughs> yes. Especially with the Key and Peele skits, if you know what I'm talking about, Liam Neeson's. I haven't seen that. Oh yeah, the, I forget, the the parking ballets. You gotta go and watch that. Just, just Google okay. Key and Peele, Liam Neeson. And okay. you can put an Will S do. on the end if you want to, of his last name, and you'll know why. Okay. But um, I think it starts with that. So already, like, you know, they hooked me there in terms of, like, feeling for this character. And then there's Sam and the, the stepson. And now even more so that, like, man, Andy's got to care for this stepson. And then this cute little boy, you find out the reason he hasn't been talking is because he's in love. And he has this ridiculously romanticized version of love. He talks about love as being a negative thing. He's like, why would I ever want to be in love? It's it's so heart-wrenching or something like that. I forget what he says. But he paints it in a negative way because, like, for him, you know, he's in love with the coolest girl in the school and she doesn't even know he exists and all of that. So, mm-hmm. And then they have that scene where, like, Daniel and Sam are in the living room trying to think of ways to, like, win her or whatever. And so they're like, there's a lot of love there this father's son, stepson, but father's son, you know, and they're yeah. doing it without their mother. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that always just crushes me. So there's all that appeal and investment for me emotionally into what's going to happen with these characters. Mm. And then, you know, then he decides he's going to try to learn how to drum and he's, he's banging on those <laughs> drums and that's adorable. And then comes the Christmas play and it's freaking iconic. Mara carries all I want mm-hmm. for Christmas, which is so good. And Joanna, I remember that being like a moment where everyone was like, holy moly, who is this? Mm-hmm. Her singing was amazing. Had all of this. This is the thing. You could almost cut out every other storyline. And if you just really develop this one, you could almost make a mini movie out of it is what I felt like. Mm-hmm. It was so robust and three-dimensional, you know? And, yeah. and the airport scene of sliding through uh, with Mr. Bean, which we haven't talked about yet, but I yes, think we still yes. we got to talk about that before this is over. Because uh, I sure. love that character. but. All of that, and even down to the where he meets Carol, who is played by Claudia Schiffer, which is mm-hmm. where they dropped all the hints of that at the the funeral for his um, late wife. Yeah, I don't know. It, it had just all of that. Yeah, they really planted the seed quite early on for Claudia Schiffer. Yes, I really, I really appreciated that. <laughs> um, so this is my third, okay. and I totally agree with you. It's these this incredibly sweet relationship between stepfather and son. 
their banter, Daniel just encouraging Sam to go for it. Yeah. And, you know, let's get the shit kicked out of us by love. Yes. And it's just so sweet, so cute. And Sam is just freaking precocious and so cute. Yes. Who's played by the actor who I know we might recognize from Game of Thrones. His name is Thomas Brody Sangster, who's Wait. also in Queen's Gambit. Wait, who? I haven't seen Queen's Gambit yet, but who is he in Game of Thrones? He's one of, he protects Bran. So he dies. He's with like with the children of the forest. Okay. Spoiler alert for your listeners who haven't seen all of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Apologies. Luckily, I've seen it. Otherwise, I would have I would have hung up on you here at this point. <laughs> I'm looking it up now. I don't know who he was. He his name was Joe Jovin. Oh, the brother. Okay. Oh, obviously, yes. I had to have known this, and I just forgot that he yeah. was in this series. I mean, since we've already spoiled it, his sister died, right? I think they were dragging him all around in the snow and stuff. Or he died? He dies. Okay, he died. The sister lives, right? Because she's the one who's dragging Bran right. and tells Hodor to hold the door. Right. Okay. I forget what her fate was. Honestly, you got when you edit this, you've got to put <laughs> a spoiler alert for all of this. Ruining Game of Thrones for everyone. Disclaimer. Absolutely. Uh, Game of Thrones. All right, I will. Yes, totally forgot he was in Game of Thrones. So question for you then, I guess, is yeah. that do you think because now you're a father, does this hit differently for you? Is that why this is like number one? I have to imagine it is. If I'm trying to think about where I would rank this one before having a son. And daughter? Oh, because Sam's a son. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. The more so, yeah. The more so the bond between father and son in this scenario. I have a daughter as well. I love her very much as well. But yeah, this is about Daniel and Sam, I think, largely. I think maybe that is. Maybe maybe subconsciously that's a huge part of it. But I just was delighted by that relationship where it almost seemed like they didn't know each other that well, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was clearly the mom who brought them together. So they were just learning about each other and they were both willing to take on this new world together that already just seems like it must have been impossibly difficult to deal with. Yeah. So I had the DVD of this movie and I I went through a lot of the bonus features and there are so many deleted scenes, which is, you know, why this movie was supposed to be like three and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. I watched a few of them and Sam actually had a much bigger role in the original cut. There's very much a slow burn as to the relationship between Daniel and Sam. Like Sam is in his room, as we know, but there's this whole scene about how he actually ends up inviting Daniel up to his room and Sam just has posters of these romantic comedies all over his oh, room because okay. he's trying to understand and dissect love as to like how to win Joanna over. Interesting. But then also Sam apparently is a very skilled gymnast. And so that whole scene, I know oh, so right. Oh, goes to the airport? To the airport, he actually, there's all these bits where he's like flipping over security guys and like jumping over luggage and like doing, uh, what's it called? Bars? Uneven bars or the even bars Uneven, or something? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was just a lot. A lot of Sam. Huh. All right. So, okay. So we're, let's review. This is funny. Okay. The first thing you would cut is Mark, Juliet, Peter. Sorry, guys. Yep. <laughs> first for me is Colin. <laughs> Uh, number two scene to cut for you is Sarah and Carl. Yeah. Sorry, not scene, storyline. Is Sarah and Carl. Number two for me is Jamie and Aurelia. Okay. Wow. I know. That's I rough. know. Number three is John and Judy for you. Number three is Juliet, Peter, and Mark. Okay. Number four for you is Colin. 
Number four for me was Sarah and Carl. I'm fully aware, Michelle, that Colin is very high on my list at this point, reviewing this list now, but I stand by it. I don't know. I, again, it's it's hard to justify it, but it's more so like, I don't know. It was it was just unexpected. He brings the hilarious. laughs. Yeah, it brought the yeah. laughs. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a lighthearted one. That's the big mm-hmm. deal, I think, for me, where obviously my top three were a little heavier. So I think it was just that levity and that balance there. But I don't need to further justify it. It's number four for me, yes. Um, side note, I love that he decides to go to Milwaukee, Yes, Wisconsin. Oh, of course. That's exactly. Like the, <laughs> the the greatest of – sorry to anyone from – I've been to Milwaukee many times. I've done work there. I actually really love that city. I, I was introduced to Cuban food in Milwaukee. I think it's Whoa. called Cubanitas, this restaurant in downtown. That was awesome, and I became a huge fan of Cuban food there. Side note. But yes, I lo- it was a good pick in terms of like, oh, there's this amazing city. I'm going to find all these babes there. It's called Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Wisconsin. And, uh, perfect writing in terms of picking a, an American city for that. For yeah, day. that was very, that was, that was perfect. Yeah. All right. So your number five was Billy Mack. Mm-hmm. My number five was Prime Minister David and Natalie. Mm-hmm. Your number four was Karen, Harry, and Mia. Mm-hmm. Mine was also Karen, Harry, and Mia. Interesting that we we had one there that was the same spot. Yeah. So your number three is Jamie and Aurelia. Mm-hmm. My number three is Daniel and Sam. Your number two is David, Prime Minister, and Natalie. My number two was John and John Judy. And Judy, yes. And then yours, number one, most valuable storyline uh-huh. is Daniel and Sam and Claudia Schiffer uh-huh. and Joanna. Uh-huh. And then my number one was Billy Mack and Manager Joe. So here's here's the thing. I think that with my top three... I can make a movie. Mm. Go through your top three again. Three is Daniel and Sam. Number two is John and Judy. Number one is Billy Mack. Do you feel like you have a strong movie with that three? You still have Daniel, Sam, and Joanna's. That is a big chunk of meat right there in terms of a movie. That's the strong one. I could probably make an hour and a half long movie with those three. Okay. You could dive in a little bit more into uh, Joe, perhaps. We don't learn that much about Joe. No, we don't. Okay. But yeah, your, your top three are like... Where a lot of the meat is, a lot of the emotions, a lot of... I think that's what it is. I think what's interesting is your interpretation was very different than mine, uh, which is great. And for me, I think a lot of it was I I tended to pick the ones that had these developed arcs. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I do want to talk favorite scenes. I know we may have some overlaps here, but I feel like it would be a disservice if we don't talk a little bit more in detail about certain things. So... Do you have uh, a favorite scene or a few? I have, but I'm, I'm glad you gave that prompt because this is how I get to work in Mr. Bean. Because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I absolutely loved the jewelry scene. He scoops flower petals and he's got, yes. he's got glitter. Or something. He's, he's doing all these ridiculous things. And the way he's doing like it's it's physical comedy genius, I think. Just the so time, many flourishes. So many flourishes, the garnishes. <laughs> But just the way he's so calm and like suave about it, like this is yeah. this is my thing. You cannot rush this. This process yeah. is important. Like doesn't he say something like He I'm... says, Tis but the work of a moment. Yeah, but but also he's like, uh, maybe I'm making this up, but I thought he said something like, I'm not just wrapping a gift here. I'm mm. like like clothing this in in uh, romance <laughs> or something like it was something like over the top, amazing, perfect and in the way Alan Rickman does the whole like, all right, come on, come on, hurry up, hurry up. You don't understand mm-hmm. like what's at stake here. Just freaking give me the thing that I want to buy. It yep. was just too perfect. It was so well done. That is absolutely one of my favorite scenes. It was just hilarious. 
yeah, just how funny it was 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 mm-hmm. great. I love that scene. Like, I I would go yeah. and YouTube that right now just because I just because it stands alone <laughs> as a funny moment. I, I'd say. And I love that it's just this small bit that Rowan Atkinson has. Yes, you know, like we all know him as Mr. Bean. He's ridiculous. He's so funny. But it's great that they gave him this opportunity to like really shine. I think this is the first time I've ever heard him talk too. Yeah. Because at the time I've, I only knew Mr. Bean through, actually, I don't know because we didn't have YouTube at the time. I don't know how I knew Mr. Bean, I, but I, I definitely right. knew him. But I, I remember he never talked. And so when he when he spoke in this scene, I was like, whoa, because mm. obviously he's not playing Mr. Bean, but he's clearly drawing from the antics of Mr. Bean's character and to some degree, right? Or maybe just how he is in terms of his physical comedy. I don't know. Yeah, it's very physical, Mr. Bean. But uh, side note, Rowan Atkinson is also the voice of Zazu in Lion King. No way! Yeah, so when you ever go back to watch Lion King... Really? Yeah. <laughs> that blows my wild. mind. That blows my mind. Wow. Okay. I hope I got that fact right. I'm pretty sure that that's him. fact check you here. <laughs> Please do. Yes, you're right. That's awesome. I had no idea. Yeah, mind blown. Wow. So I have a few favorite scenes that are either really, really fun and really, really sad. I know that we've talked a lot about the emotional moments and the heavyweights, but for me, it's Karen listening to Joni Mitchell in the bedroom. Absolutely. Oh, that that's really it's heartbreaking. I, I have cried watching this just because you feel her pain mm. and she just has to put on a brave face and pretend nothing's happening. And she does such an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about, by the way, is just these performances in general. Yes. Yes. And all the other like ensemble movies that I've seen, there's one with like uh, Jennifer Aniston and Mother's Day. Not Mother's Day. Was it New Year's Eve? I don't know. It's, it's a holiday yeah. of some sort. New Anyways. Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, yeah, yeah, New Year's yeah, yeah, Eve. Those yeah. Ones. Or like he's just not that into you, perhaps, or something. Like those oh, yeah. ones, whatever. None of them seem to have strong, the kind of strong performances that I, I don't know, I feel like this one had. This one, mm. I felt like really had some very strong performances. 100%. And that one, I, I totally agree, was just well, so well done. Yeah, I love that scene. I mentioned earlier, David, Prime Minister, dancing through, you know, his house. Yes. Dancing, and then like a staffer catches yeah, him yeah, in yeah. the act, and he just quickly recovers. Yeah, yeah. That scene always just makes me laugh and smile. Yep. This, not for a positive reasons, but Billy Bob Thornton, is oh so gosh. good at being this ultra creepy U.S. president. <laughs> they casted him well. He's like typically, yeah, you think of them as being these, well, I don't know about now, but back in the day, <laughs> like these upright standing citizens, these strong characters. And like they've done studies about how like when they're photographed, they always want to photograph them in a way where they're taller than the people around them and, and mm. all these type of things, right? To make them seem like these stronger characters. Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> looks kind of skinny. Yes. He doesn't look like the well-fed kind of president that you'd imagine. <laughs> Clearly, this is an American movie, so there's that. Uh, it was also interesting to me that, like, while I'm probably American, watching that all play out where America is the bad country, it didn't bother mm-hmm. me too much. It was fine in terms of, like, you know, I've always wondered, like, what do Russians think every time they watch, like, all the many action movies we created over the 90s and 2000s where the Russians are always the bad guys. But mm-hmm. but I, it just made me think about how, like, oh, the U.S. is the bad guy in, in a sense in this scenario. And um, and it worked. It still worked. It was fine. Mm-hmm. But I thought he, he was perfectly creepy. Not a favorite scene, but, like, you know. Right, right. Yeah, just honorable shout out to Billy Bob. <laughs> That's a really interesting point because I think so in my research, this movie did really, really well in England, probably for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. right? It didn't hit as critically well with American audiences. Okay. 
And I have to kind of believe or wonder that, you know, this movie depicts Americans kind of to be like Billy Bob, Mm -hmm. who's a womanizer, kind of a bully. And then also, again, like the American ladies just being so like airheaded and just falling for this British guy so easily. So I just kind of feel like as an American, you're like, oh, is this how they perceive Americans? (laughs) I guess I didn't think about that too much. Yeah, that's fair. But I just thought that was a well done, like, it just made me cringe, right? The whole, Mm -hmm. every moment he was in, you know, in the room or in the house with Hugh Grant was just cringeworthy, so. Yeah, very slimy guy. Yeah. One of my favorite categories is the WTF moments. Okay. So these are plot holes in the most unrealistic moments, which, again, you have to put so much disbelief aside. A lot of it has to do with timing. Okay. Because, you know, from the movie, it counts down from five weeks to four weeks to obviously, you know, Christmas. Okay. So a few things here. Sam learns to play the drums in like <laughs> two, three weeks. Yes. And it's not even just like like a very easy song. I, I've, I've been trying to pick up the drums so I can, I can actually completely relate to how it's not realistic. <laughs> drums are hard. Yeah, I would assume. I also just think it's really cute. Sam is practicing and he has that chalkboard on his door that says rhythm is my life. Yeah. I thought that was really yeah. cute. But yeah, no, there's no way he learns to play drums and play publicly within two to three weeks. Hold on, hold on. You you don't know the motivation of a boy who's in love, though. <laughs> and assuming he's really in his room as much as you know we're led to believe, mm. I actually don't think that's too unbelievable. Really? I mean, like it's improbable, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like that again. I think the movie established this range of what's believable, what's going to be believable, and that did not set me off. So yeah, yeah, no WTF for me there. Okay. I will say that if I was 11 and had literally nothing else to do, no cares in the world, but just winning over the love of my life. The only thing you care about. The only thing I care about. Fine. I guess you're right. There might be (laughs) a lot of motivation to do that. Yeah. And then my other thing is, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, is that Jamie learns conversational Portuguese in two weeks to propose to Aurelia. Duolingo. Duolingo. Rosetta, whatever it's Rosetta Stone Rosetta, software. Rosetta Stone, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's for sure. And she learned English as well, right? To some degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, no, that was it was conversational. And it was funny because he had all these words wrong, but it was actually really impressive what he could very completely like just pull out. Yeah, absolutely. The American girls. I clearly have like a problem with these American girls. Um... It's but they tripled down on over the top. <laughs> they tripled down. I think it was meant to be like, okay, seriously, but then like Let's go so far over the top that it's funny. If they like watered it down a little bit, it would have been like, that's not believable. This is ridiculous. But I think it was seriously like so like, how would you even make that more over the top? I don't know how, you know, so. Well, so here's the only way you make it over the top is to have Harriet, who's played by Shannon Elizabeth. She, she has a Southern accent. I don't know if you caught that. So it's very quick and very like specific. It's at the moment. I'm sorry. Airport, right? at the airport okay. where she's like wearing a cowboy hat and she's like i don't know she does this terrible southern accent i'm like why you're from milwaukee why are you speaking with the well accent? they could be in milwaukee they could have a maybe she's southerner that went from- to marquette and you know now you know now she's in milwaukee that is, i mean you're right for sure but i mean shannon elizabeth no offense to shannon elizabeth but I wasn't like expecting. We talked about some incredible performances. I, I I didn't see Shannon Elizabeth on the screen and expect her to bring out this really blow us away. Yeah, performance. So not Fair. again. No offense. I, I just my expectations weren't for there to be some amazing, believable moment at all. So mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, David looking for Natalie. 
David is the freaking prime minister. Yeah, I'll agree with you on this one. He should have her address on on file. WTF. And we mentioned earlier Mia wearing devil horns at a holiday party. Why? This is not a Halloween party. This is a Christmas party. Oh, that's right. That's right. This is a Christmas party. You're right. Yeah, I have no idea. That didn't make any sense. And then my final WTF is at the end, at the airport, David is prime minister, yet he walks in through the commercial airport of Heathrow into the arrivals. I'm like, I don't think the PM is flying commercial. Very fair. Okay, so you had the advantage of thinking about these ahead of time. You had a list. I don't have a list. But the moment you (laughs) mentioned it, I was like, oh, I have one. It's the moment where, like, it was what caused Jamie and Aurelia to jump in the lake. Mm. Like, dude, you're writing a story. Like, you're writing a book on a typewriter. And you're going to have all your pages. <laughs> this is your lifeline here. This is what you're here right. for. Like, you got a rock holding it down. That, that to me, was like, are you <laughs> seriously, bro? Come yeah. on, dude. Like, Yeah, what a dummy. But it was, I mean, that's lighthearted. Like, yeah. if anything, though, that was what broke the disbelief for me in terms of, really, man? Come on. I think it was just a reason for Aurelia to take off her clothes, for Jamie to see her in her underwear, and then for him to be physically attracted to her, and then for her to jump in the pool. Which is so sad, because I didn't need that storyline yeah. didn't need that. That's why I think this storyline is one of the first yeah, no. storylines I would cut now. It, if it wasn't for the ultra cheesy, but still admittingly very romantic aspect of them learning the other's language... And the march to the village. If it wasn't for those things, yeah. It's really for me, it's really the ending part. Yeah. Are you are you happy with the way everything ended? Yes. I'll say yes because again, I appreciated the balance of some happy endings, some not happy endings. I think that was necessary because if it was all happy endings, I don't think I would have enjoyed the movie as much. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I do like the airport montages, which by the way were real people filmed at Heathrow. Mm. Now that I'm older, I do respect and appreciate the fact that not everyone has a quote-unquote happy ending. So Love Actually is, I think, regarded as one of the most iconic holiday movies. Mm -hmm. Holiday rom-com movies. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Do you think that it's worthy of being in this high pedestal? So my wife and I, we've seen a lot. I've watched many a terrible Netflix (laughs) holiday rom-com with her. They're fun to escape into. You kind of know what you're getting yourself into when you put one of those on. I guess. But (laughs) in terms of competition for love, actually, Mm -hmm. I think you have to say The Holiday, the movie with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet. Haven't seen it. Okay. Elf is up there, but Elf is not a rom-com. Elf is not a rom-com, but this is, I don't know if this beats Elf. Elf is so good. There's a lot of, a lot of people have a lot of problems with love, actually. Sure. And they don't think that it should be like, highly rewatched or it should be you know the number one holiday rom-com but obviously problems aside i think you watch this movie to enjoy some light-hearted fun stories and it, you know you can't beat this amazing cast and i think that the primary reason that people come back and watch you know hugh grant dancing or liam neeson being a really sweet stepfather and emma thompson surviving this you know heartbreak so for me, I do think that this movie is worthy of being in that conversation of best holiday rom-coms. I'm going to give you a, a it's kind of a non-answer. I just feel like movies are so subjective. Mm. 
that it's really hard to justify. It's really hard to argue one way or another and to say objectively this deserves to be because it sounds like what you're just what you're getting at is the assumption is that this is regarded almost objectively as a top movie. And do you agree with this popular opinion? And so obviously we've already talked about it. We gave it a seven, which is a solid score. We just spent over an hour and a half talking about all these things that we liked and disliked, but largely liked about the movie. Mm -hmm. So obviously I enjoyed the movie. I liked the movie. I think Mm -hmm. it's a rewatchable movie for sure, but I wouldn't argue too much with someone who said they hated the movie. I can see someone hating this movie. I can see somebody not finding it nearly as enjoyable as I did. I wouldn't be like, what are you talking about? It's just so good. I would be like, no, I can see that. Lots of problems, not perfect, not for everyone. I don't know that I say that it absolutely deserves its spot if it indeed has a spot as a quote-unquote mm-hmm. top Christmas rom-com or top holiday movie. I, I liked it. I liked this movie. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, statement. Haters will hate. And I think, you know, I, and I admit I'm in the camp of every Christmas I do watch this movie. Oh, do you? So, I haven't seen it so long. Yeah. So. I mean, it, I do turn it on just to have in the background. I do like the music, as we've mentioned. And yeah, these performances are just really solid. Totally agree. All right, I'm going to move on to trivia. Okay. Billy Mack and his manager Joe are actually the only characters in this movie that don't interact with anybody else in the storyline. Huh. Kira Knightley is only five years older than Sam. I told my wife this when we were watching it. I was like, I think she's like 17 in this movie. How old was she? She was 19. 19. That's kind of crazy. The cue cards that Mark holds up for Juliet is actually handwritten by the actor, Andrew Lincoln. Good job, Andrew. Um, I do want to call out a few other deleted scenes. There were so many. Daniel has this whole bit with Claudia Schiffer. Mm -hmm. Karen knows that he's in love with, really into Claudia Schiffer. And so she gives him a list of like porno sites, I guess, with Claudia (sighs) Schiffer. Daniel, in a moment of weakness, he's like, you know what? Why not? So he goes to the computer, types in a website and he actually is like, you know what? No, I'm not going to like continue clicking through. Yeah. But then he gets like, I don't know, spammed. So then like all these pop-ups start happening and he can't get rid of them. And then poor Sam has to cover for him because like the grandfather comes and like sees all the spam on the computer. So Sam confesses. Was, oh, it's me. I-, I was looking up dirty pictures of Claudia Schiffer. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's he got cut. <laughs> this is wild. That has so many scenes, huh? So many scenes. Previ- yeah, so this was my number one storyline, and it was because I felt like they could almost make a whole movie out of it. It sounds like yeah. they did. They it really sounds like they made it. a whole, whole side movie out of this. Wow, okay. In the deleted scenes, Mia and Mark are actually friends, which we know that like Mia is the one who gets the art gallery for the holiday party because she knows right. Mark. But there's more scenes of them hanging out at the art gallery. Mm. Um, and Mia actually tells Mark, she's like, I think I'm going to have an affair with my boss. Mm. So it's very calculated oh, on yeah. Mia's part. I think that, yeah, it's that would have made it more clear that it was calculated, but we did not need that to know it was calculated. So Right, exactly. So one of Karen and Harry's kids, his name is Bernard, he actually had a whole storyline. He's huh. like a very silly boy who gets in trouble a lot at school. Another scene that got cut was actually the headmistress. The headmistress had her own storyline. I think it was kind of to depict that we don't actually know what happens when people go home. So the headmistress is kind of a very stern woman, you know, calling out the son for his 
misbehavior. But then she goes home and she's actually taking care of an ill lover who is a woman, Hmm. you know, and then we come to realize that she ends up passing away. So again, that would have been some balance to the movie, but yeah, we, I don't think we needed to introduce more characters. Seriously. Wow. This, the director's cut must be like a four hour movie. Yeah. I actually couldn't keep watching. I was like, this is too much. (sighs) Next, you're going to tell me they had like complete storylines for all of the American girls, like their own backstories. (laughs) And and, and they also had ways to weave them in to like their best friends with, you know, all all these random people. You know, who knows what Shannon Elizabeth might have had. But yeah, that's kind of like the interesting to me trivia. Oh, actually, sorry. One more thing is that there was a quote unquote sequel in 2017. It was released for Red Nose Day, which is this big annual charity campaign to uh, to end child poverty but basically it's all the same characters they did like a continuation of the movie 13 years later really all written by richard curtis just three years ago how come i had no idea you can find it on red nose day i watched it in preparation for this episode uh it's a little too on the nose a lot of the dialogue is very very similar but I'll, i'll share top notes okay so mark ends up getting married but Mark ends up marrying one of the models on one of the cue cards that he showed to oh. Julia. Like, you know, I will marry. And it, oh, nice. It turns out to be Kate Moss. Okay, perfect. David, the prime minister, is back in office, and he does a dance to Drake. Oh, nice. Call me on my cell phone, oh, which nice. is very, yeah. I guess, 2013. Sure. Billy Mack is out with another album. He is interviewed again at the radio station, but we come to realize that manager Joe has passed away oh, from no. a heart attack. Rowan Atkinson is, he's an employee at CVS and Walgreens, which I think is a sponsor of Red Nose oh, Day. Yeah, okay. So so there's that. But he's literally gift wrapping a, a red nose and the line is out the door because he's doing exactly the same thing. Uh, Jamie and Aurelia have three kids. Jamie claims to be proficient in Portuguese, but he's clearly not. And Aurelia confesses in Portuguese that she's pregnant with her fourth kid. And he has not. Jamie's like, oh, yeah. I love it, but can we order different food tonight? Like, he just clearly didn't yeah, understand yeah. what she was saying. Um, Sarah is working, and we see her phone ring. I think we're led to believe that it's her brother, but it actually turns out to be Carl. her husband. Is it Carl? No. Uh, it's, her husband is played by Patrick Dempsey. Oh, okay. Random. Super random. Yeah. I appreciated it, but random. Okay. So she found love elsewhere. Exactly. And I, I'll save the best for last for you, uh, Daniel and Sam. Yes. Sam now lives in New York. Okay. And he's been kind of MIA. So he sees Daniel sitting on a bench, goes to him on the bench. Sam's like, you know, I I have love troubles again. And Daniel's like, are you kidding me? Like, what now? And then enter on screen is Joanna. And Sam's like, "Uh, I ran into Joanna in New York. We fell in love. (laughs) And Joanna asks for Daniel's blessing for her to marry Sam. Really? And that's how it ends. Huh. I like that uh, progressive, different kind of ending. Yeah. Wait, so how do I watch this? So I think if you go to rednoseday.com. Is it a full it's movie? It's like 17 minutes long. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, it was it was kind of fun, but kind of like, it's very similar to yeah, the yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that wraps it up for me in terms of trivia, but we can also wrap this up. This is, we've had a lot, we've had a lot this to a say lot of in this movie. Yeah. All right. So before we sign off, do you have any last takes or anything you want to add? I'm sure some listeners will hear all, if anyone is listening to all of this, I'm sure there's still some thoughts <laughs> they'll have around like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they didn't touch upon this 
I mm. can't believe they didn't mention that. I'm I'm certain that's going to be the case because I, I do feel like there's just so much. I wouldn't be surprised if there was like certain iconic scenes we completely did not even mention because again, there was just so much to this so movie. Much. And, and I almost wish I had written down like every scene I want to make sure I... Uh, we can bring up because it's you know they're so important or iconic but no i think i think we covered a good amount yeah i really appreciated your your list that was different and the, and the reasons why i thought was really interesting just a different take um i almost wish that one of us hated the movie or something mm. because i think it would have been interesting to to hear the takes on why yeah yeah, I think we appreciated obviously a lot of the same stuff but there was still a lot that i learned and and saw different mm-hmm. angles from from hearing your takes. So that was cool. Appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, too. I, I really appreciate you wanting to do uh, Most Valuable. And I was like, when I thought about it, I was like, oh, this is very, this makes sense. This is a very on brand for Tim. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Tim. <laughs> I, I just thought it was interesting because, like you said, they ended up cutting a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Just, I think I was just thinking about the poor editor uh, or whoever's making those decisions. And I'm certain yeah. there was a lot to cut. And, and I was just thinking about like, if yeah, if I had to cut, because there's so many of these storylines, which ones would they be? Yeah. I I will say though, I do wish that there weren't that many storylines. There would be more maybe emotional weight and character depth, yeah. obviously, and you could, if there yeah. were less storylines yeah. and you can really invest in them. But obviously it doesn't detract from me watching this movie. So, but... Thanks so much for doing this, Tim. Right on. Thank you for having me. This is fun. This is really fun. I appreciate it. To all tuning in, thank you for listening to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we would love to hear what you think of this movie. What would you rate this on a scale from 1 to 10? And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye. Bye.